If you are new to the bridge, uh, my name is John Peters. My wife and I are and our family attend here. Um, Pastor Jerry will resume his series on Luke starting next week. But I have the privilege today to open up God's Word and walk through that with you. Our passage will be in Psalm 107. That's page 421 in the Bridge Bibles. I'll begin by reading the first couple verses. Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Please pray with me. Father, we have an awesome privilege to come before you together to open your word, to hear what you have to teach us and um, how you would instruct our hearts. Father, I pray that we're open to your spirits uh, leading and um, that you would would just speak to our hearts and minds today in ways that would grow your kingdom through the work of your son and his death and resurrection and that good news that we can communicate and live out and spread here and around the world. Amen. In my family's house, when I was growing up, we had a table. And this table had a story. If you crawled underneath it, like I was prone to do, you would see that the table had been charred. It had, there were parts of the underside of it that were blackened. And this was a table that I learned was from my grandmother's house when she was my age as a young girl. And it had been passed down from my grandmother to my father. And the story of this table is that this is one of the few things, one of the last things that they saved from that house that burnt down because of a fire. And so the the charring, the the blackened underside of this table was... um, a result of having been saved from this fire. And so that was pretty exciting to uh, a seven or eight-year-old. And for most of my life, that was the extent of what I knew about that story. Well, a couple months ago, uh, my grandma passed away at the age of 97. And so we met in Fond du Lac with extended family and celebrated her life. She was a believer. She had a faithful testimony. It was a wonderful time that we could celebrate her life and what God had done through her. And as we were sitting around with extended family, my aunts and uncles, at a restaurant before the funeral, uh, the night before, my aunts in particular, my dad was the oldest of four. He had three sisters. My aunts um, began to tell stories about my grandma that I had never heard. And, well, I always knew that my grandma loved me. She became that much more real to me as I heard um, different events and things that had impacted her life. Beginning with uh, the story of that fire, um, the fire completely devastated her family, my great-grandfather's family. Um, They had bought a farm. He had built um, this big farmhouse. This was in the Depression. They didn't have insurance or they couldn't get insurance. 
And a couple months after they had finished it, it caught fire and burned to the ground. And it, it devastated them financially. They had to, to sell the rest of the land and move back in with family. It also devastated my, gran- my great-grandfather emotionally. He, um, as my aunts were telling the story, uh, he struggled with alcohol. In large part, they believed uh, because of the um, traumatic experience of having lost this house and their farm to this fire. And so the story of this table uh, went from a naive childhood version of, wow, wouldn't it be, you know, what would it be like to, to rescue this thing from a fire, to a deeper um, empathetic view of what they must have gone through. My grandma, they also uh, told me, and, and these were things I never knew, um, my great-grandfather had, had drowned, and she and her sister had been the ones to pull him out of the water. And so I can imagine later that day, later that week, sitting around this table trying to sort out with my great-grandmother my great-grandfather's affairs. Eventually, uh, she, my grandma, my grandmother, inherited this table. And uh, she married my grandpa, and he went off to World War II, and I learned my grandma was a, a crane operator during the war, which was particularly humbling when I'm struggling to, like, assemble my kid's playset. <laughs> and so my grandma would, would come home during the war after working at this plant near Fond du Lac um, and working as a crane operator and sit down at this table and grow, go from operating these huge machines to preparing herself dinner by herself because her husband, my grandpa, was in Germany. And so the stories that I learned just recently gave me a greater and a deeper understanding of of this family memento that had all these stories woven in. We're drawn to meaningful stories. It's innate. It's internal in our brains. We don't read the resumes of people we admire. We read their biographies. Well, stories can come in many different ways, like songs, movies, plays, poetry, books. I found that the ones that are true and, when possible, told in person are the most powerful. One of my favorite ways to hear stories is, uh, is through the radio. And a couple of years ago, I was uh, driving along, coming home, and came across this radio show on a Saturday evening called the Moth Story Hour. This is where people get up, and the premise is that they would tell true stories live in person. And so I'm listening to these people. I'm not related to them. I've never met them. But I'm listening to these stories, driving home, coming into the driveway, being partway through a story, turning off the car, but leaving the radio on, and sitting there for 10 minutes because I can't leave the car because I'm in the middle of a story from somebody I've never met 
but yet in some way engages me or some experience that I've shared with them, we are drawn to stories. When was the last time that you told your story in a meaningful way? I'm not talking in front of an audience or on the radio, but when was the last time that you shared your story at least to one person in a world of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it seems like we're compelled to want to try to tell our stories. But yet we realize that those forums are imperfect. The, the view that we often give is a one-dimensional. The fun places we've been to, the best pictures that we edit. And consequently, if that's the only image we give to everybody and we are never really known by others, we become one-dimensional and we become isolated. Now granted, there's no doubt there are appropriate boundaries of what we tell where in what forums and perhaps those venues aren't necessarily the means to dump out your whole story to everybody, granted. But to somebody at the right time, in the right forum, sharing our stories is a powerful tool that God has given us to give glory to him. What if I told you that telling your story is beneficial to you physically? Dr. Lisa Rankin, writing in Psychology Today, November 27, 2012, she quotes, I quote, she says, Telling your story while being witnessed with loving attention by others who care is powerful medicine. Each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel that nobody else can write. And yet so many of us leave our stories untold, our songs unsung, and when this happens, we wind up with a chronic sense that something is out of alignment. Okay, this isn't even necessarily coming from a, a Christian perspective. This is just an observation by this psychologist. We may even wind up feeling unworthy, unloved, or sick. Every time you tell your story and somebody else who bears witness to it, you turn off the body's stress receptors, you flip off toxic stress hormones like cortisol and epinephrine, and flip on relaxing responses that release healing hormones of oxytocin, dopamine, nitric oxide, and endorphins. Not only does this turn on the body's innate self-repair mechanism, but it also functions as preventive medicine. And what if I told you that telling your story is beneficial to you relationally? When we tell our stories and others bear witness, the notion that we are disconnected from others, suffering alone, dissolves. The minute that we discover that somebody else just maybe struggling and working through the same issues that we are, that sense of disconnection eases and we start glimpsing the truth as we build bridge with others and their experience. 
But what if I told you that telling your story is something you were designed by God to do? You were designed by God to tell your story to give him glory. And that's what I want to look at further this morning in our passage in Psalm 107. We've been in the Psalms for the past few weeks. And we'll conclude our, our study here in Psalm 107. And one of the themes of, of this psalm is the stories that we tell say something about us, but more importantly, the stories that we tell say something about our God. Returning to verses 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. For the people of God, our central story revolves around God. In this passage in Psalm 107, highlights, begins by highlighting one important aspect. The redeemed of the Lord. So in order to understand this passage this morning... We'll begin with an essential question. What does redeemed mean? If you've been in church for a while, it's a word you no doubt have heard. You may have had some guesses as to what it might mean. If you haven't been in church, it may be Christianese to use, a word that you've heard thrown out but had a vague idea. Well, there's a couple important underlying ideas to redeemed. To redeem something is to set free, to release upon the payment of a ransom. That's one idea. To release, to set free upon the payment of a ransom. Another main idea is to restore something back into possession of the rightful owner. Okay, So those ideas of to set free, to restore, fundamental to understanding what it means to be redeemed. We are set free. We are restored in some way. Let's continue on. And where does this idea from, of being redeemed come from? Where does this first show up? Well, the idea of being redeemed or redemption... For David, the most likely psalm writer for Psalm 107, would have meant back would have meant looking back to the Exodus, where God redeemed his people by setting them free from Egypt. And so the first time that we we see this word redeemed is in Exodus chapter six, verse six is in verse six and seven. And these verses read This is God speaking to Moses. And he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will set you free from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Okay, that idea, I will set you free from being slaves I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. 
So this idea of, of redemption in Psalm 107 is primarily looking back to God's great work of redemption in the Exodus, where he set his people free. And so continuing on, Beginning again in verse 4, some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. What we see next is that the psalm writer goes on and he gives four different stories within this psalm. Okay, and they each will begin with some did this, some did that. And you can think of them like four different verses in a song because this is a song. And so we have four different examples where David will write specifically how God has redeemed his people in history that's a testimony to his greatness. And so the first story, the first verse, begins in verse 4. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. He let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Wandering, unsettled, hungry, and thirsty. That's the first verse of that song. That's a redemption story. The second verse of this song, beginning in verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised, despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. When they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, He saved them from their distress. He brought them up out of the darkness, the utter utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. The second verse in this song. A redemption story. A prisoner in chains in distress. He moves on to the next verse in this song. Another redemption story. Some, verse 17, became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell his works with songs of joy. Another redemption story. Sick to the point that you can't eat. And so we're beginning to see this this pattern Somebody's in trouble. God saves them. And they give thanks 
in praise and glory to God. A redemption story. The fourth and final redemption story, this verse in this song, in verse 23. Some went out in sea, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a storm that lifted high the waves. They mounted, they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their time, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when, when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of elders. Reeling from storms un, uncertain and afraid. But God shows up. Now, I don't know if your stories involve wandering in the desert. Chances are they don't here in Wisconsin. Or being a prisoner in chains or being sick to the point of death or being stuck out in the middle of a storm. But your stories and my story can still, whatever the calamity or the trouble is, be a redemption story. As God shows up, we can give thanks and praise and glory to God. To be released, to be set free, to be restored. These are just four of too many examples in Scripture to count. And the understanding of redemption is actually a, a larger story, a narrative that goes throughout the entire Bible from beginning to end. Now, one of the simplest yet most effective ways I, I have to understand um, the story, the narrative of Scripture, is in four parts. Four verses, if you would. And it goes like this. Creation. Separation redemption, and renewal from Genesis through Revelation. Creation. The Bible says God created, and it was good. It was very good. Humans made in the image of God, designed to rule the earth as God had intended, in perfect union and in fellowship with their creator, God. They were naked. There was no shame, no death, no sin, no pain. Heaven and earth together. Separation, or the fall, is another way that that is, uh, that that is termed. Separation. The Bible says we are, we are separated from our perfect creator because of sin. And here enters shame and toil and pain and death into the picture. We are separated from the presence of God. We are separated from a true and right relationship with others through fear and envy and jealousy. We are separated from a true and right relationship with our world because it doesn't function the way it should. Things break down that shouldn't. 
Things go wrong that shouldn't. And we are separated from a true and right understanding of ourselves because of the shame of sin. This is Genesis 3, largely. But then we get to redemption. And redemption is a story told from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of Revelation. Because God in his grace promised there would be one to come that though wounded by evil, he would crush evil. It's Genesis 3.15. And as a sign of his promise, he shed the blood of an animal and used its skin to cover the shame and fear of the first humans. And even though we were sinners, God later sent his son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to earth in bodily form. He was fully God and fully man. And he lived the perfect life that we could not live. And he died the death that we deserve to die. His death released us from the power of sin. His death was a ransom for us. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, he says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So we have creation, separation, redemption, which finds its fulfillment in the death of Jesus Christ, his death for our sin. And we come to the fourth verse, renewal. The Bible says, Christ will come again. That we celebrate his rising from the dead, but one day he will come again. Evil will be judged, pain, disease, and death will be destroyed once and for all. There will be no more crying or tears or pain. We will be in God's presence, heaven and earth, will be together again. Creation, separation, redemption, renewal. The stories we tell say a lot about us, but more importantly, the stories we tell have the opportunity to give glory to God. And what are some applications couple quick ones here as we finish. Number one, to somebody, somewhere, at some time, tell your story. In the right context, in the right forum, tell your story. It is healing physically, relationally, and it is an opportunity to give glory to God based on how he has worked redemptively in your life and can be a powerful testimony to others. So number one, find 
the opportunity to tell your story. Number two, look for God's redemptive work in your story Look for God's redemptive work in your story. Chances are the problems that you're facing are the result of separation from God or living in a world that is separated from God. Sometimes it's through no immediate fault of our own. It's just the result of we live in a world that doesn't operate as it should. And consequently, things happen like death and disease and decay, independent of any specific act we have. Other times, there are specific acts we do, and we suffer the consequences. So it runs the full gamut. But wherever your problem is in that, look for God's redemptive work in your story. And number three, listen with love to others when they are open and vulnerable enough to share what they've been through. Just start by listening. Don't come with a solution immediately. Don't come with um, a list of suggestions. In the right time and in the right context, they may invite you to share, to give them input. But just start by listening. Listening to their story in love. When you share your stories, you create connection. Sharing your story takes vulnerability, and vulnerability is the antidote to shame. Stories do more than just document our past. They allow us to form and create our future with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the stories that I heard from my aunts around that restaurant table were stories that, boy, I would have loved to hear from my grandma when she was living. She grew up in a generation that it wasn't normal for her to share that with others, or certainly not her grandkids. And if it was, it would have been later in life as an adult, and more recently she, uh, she suffered with dementia. And so those were stories that she never shared or I never got to her directly from, from her. But I'm thankful that I got to hear them eventually. And what I did get to hear, and and I'm even more thankful for, were how uh, at her funeral, during a time of sharing, people stood up that I never met, but she had impacted, that she had led to the Lord, that um, through her faith, she had impacted And so I learned how these stories of tragedy, of being homeless as a seven or eight-year-old girl and having to move in with extended family because their house burned down, and how um, struggling with a dad who was an an alcoholic, and being separated from her husband during the war and having to do a job that she never would have imagined I heard that how those formed her faith and how her faith impacted countless lives of people that I never met. So the stories became redemptive as I saw, saw how God had used them in her life in ways that maybe she never would have known at that time 
and in people that I had never even met. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Please pray with me. Father, um, in every circumstance, you are working, whether we see it or not. Father, you sent your son to earth. To live the perfect life that we could not live, to death, to die a death that uh, that we deserve to die, and through His shed blood we have redemption. We are set free. We are restored through faith to a right relationship with You, Father. I pray that whatever we're struggling with today, that You would give us opportunities with the right people at the right times, in the right context, to share our stories, to celebrate ways that we can see you've been redemptive, and to wait patiently in other stories that, uh, where we haven't seen the end of the story yet. But we know you're faithful. We know you'll return. We know one day death, disease, and destruction will be done away with. We will be in your presence. Heaven and earth will be together again.